Hello. Now, this is episode two of season seven. Season seven is called The Stages of Home Construction. We are diving into the process of home construction for both new builds and renovations so that you can feel informed as your project gets built. We'll be looking at the what, the when, the who and the how of each stage, and we'll be giving you loads of helpful cost-saving and stress-saving ideas and information along the way. In this episode, we talk about the next stage of construction, and this is the demolition or site preparation stage. This is where you'll be getting your site and home ready for the new construction to commence. Now, you may be building new or renovating. So this stage can involve full demolition or partial demolition. Dwayne and I talk about the specific activities involved in this stage and what you can expect from your builder in their communication and planning. Now, some terminology to familiarise yourself with if this is the first episode in this season that you're diving into. Dwayne and I refer a lot to drawers during this season. Now, we're not meaning the drawers that you keep your socks in. A drawer is actually a payment on the building contract. So when you sign a contract with a builder, a builder will actually identify a series of drawers or progress claims or progress payments. And as work on your project is completed, the builder will submit an invoice for that draw, identifying the work that has been completed and asking you to pay for it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I jump into the podcast episode, I want to share with you some exciting information about an online program that I've launched in collaboration with this season of the podcast, and it's available for you to access now. The program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about helping you navigate the construction of your new home or renovation with sanity, feeling confident and informed. If you want to be better informed about what's happening during the construction of your home or understand what you can expect of your builder or of the contract and you know whether you're getting what you've paid for, then Manage Your Build is designed to simplify this for you. Manage Your Build will give you key knowledge, tools, cheat sheets, industry insider checklists and tips, plus strategies to save your sanity and budget as well. This online program can support you, help you avoid expensive mistakes and drama and put you in the driver's seat, feeling confident during the construction of your new home or renovation. So if you want to check it out, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. There's more information there about what's inside the program, what it includes and how it can support you and save you stress and money as you navigate the construction of your renovation or new home and actually make the process enjoyable for you. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. 
Okay, so we're now on to looking at demolition and this obviously is not necessarily applicable for every job. It might be, you know, if you're building on a clean site, brand new house, you know, that site cut that you did in your deposit stage, maybe all you need to be able to get going with your next phase of construction. However, if you're renovating or you're building a house on a site that's already got a house on it, then demolition will come in at this point in order to get the project ready for construction to start. And it will be generally done as another draw in the contract as well, won't it? So Yeah, depending on the, the size of the job, yeah, it could it, demolition can be a draw on its own. And so we can look at whether there's full demolition or partial demolition based on whether it's a brand new home or a renovation. Um, and they're very two different, very ex, two very different exercises, aren't they? So, can you talk? Because we were talking about just the difference in price and the difference in who's involved in a full demolition versus a partial demolition. Can you just talk through some of that for me? Yeah, so look, they're completely different. Um, we get asked a lot of the time on a renovation, how come it's so expensive for the demolition work? If it's a new knockdown rebuild, like you can get a whole house demolished from, well, generally including asbestos, anywhere from say twenty to forty thousand dollars. But if you're doing a work on an older type house, the demolition and, and there's certain areas of the house that have to stay or there might be a particular feature that has to stay, it, it's not uncommon for demolition to be twice the cost of what it was to knock the entire house down. Um, that's purely because it, it's labour. So obviously it's very easy to um, disconnect the power and water, get a machine in there, demolish it, throw it on a truck, take it to the dump. That, that's really simple. If you're doing a detailed demolition and you're trying to keep parts of the house, you've got surveyors on site, supervision, and then carpenters that are dismantling, dismantling the house piece by piece. So a very good example of that, we, we had a house here in uh, New Farm in Brisbane. We lifted the old cottage and the, the house had had a renovation in the past out the back, but the renovation was built 300 millimetres off the boundary. So if we demolished that entire structure, they couldn't build a new structure in its place. They had to meet the new planning code. So we had to keep the outside wall <laughs> of the house. Um, wow. So no, you nothing could keep, else. Yeah, so you just kept wanted to keep that external wall so that you had that fixed facade that was already 300 millimetres off the boundary so then the new work could happen from that point rather than needing to come, what is it, it's like a metre and a half or two metres depending on the height yeah, off so the boundary. If, Big difference. Like once that wall, if that wall was a new wall in that, position, well, it couldn't be built for a start, but it would have had all sorts of fire regulations and, and been a real nightmare. And it, it did actually turn into a nightmare. So that that wall, we had to lift the old, the front cottage and the back, this one wall, um, and then brace it while we build a basement underneath and another two levels. Um, wow. What actually happened there was it was a learning curve for everybody. Um, we had it all braced. It was all secure. Um, we got a big storm one afternoon after everyone had left the site and it blew the wall over, knocked oh. it down, after we'd spent tens of thousands of dollars working around it. And look, before we like we turned up to work the next morning and the council were already there, the neighbours had rung because um, everyone in the area knew this wall had to stay because it was all shown on the um, the plans. And look, it ended up costing myself over $40,000 um, and the owners a lot of money, even though it was a accident. It, um but yeah, look, so there's, there's definitely, when you're doing partial demolitions, there's a lot that needs to be taken into account. And especially 
when you start getting in, like any town around Australia, when you start getting in these inner city suburbs where there is a lot of heritage listings, a lot of character control. Very interested um, neighbours. Very yeah. interested neighbours. Um, they Every single job, the neighbours know what the rules are exactly and if you do the slightest little bit of work outside those rules and they're on to you. So um, look, that, that's why there's such a huge variation. So completely knock a house down, easy, done in a couple of days, hand demolish and, and, and the other thing is the designer or the architect might have designed the new house to add onto the old house, joining in a particular point or, or like there might be a lot of detail to it. So you can't just go in there and start knocking things down. Like you might have a an old VJ wall that's got to be pulled apart a particular way or, or an old brick house that might have to be cut or yeah, there's a lot involved. And I think too it's important to not to always get that advice early on when like I find that as a designer, if I'm designing a renovation of an old place, to get some builder's advice early on as to understanding, is it worthwhile us selectively demolishing that component uh, because that means the design will look like this? Or actually, is it going to be less expensive for you just to cut that right off and then, you know, we create something new and so that that can inform the design process. I've seen um, homeowners show me drawings where, you know, there might be the back wall of a house and it's got bay windows along it and the designer's proposing that the the bay windows get cut off to then replace with a door. And, you know, on the drawing it just shows us where red is, you know, red dash lines <laughs> where the demolition is and it's yeah. this ni- nice, neat little thing where the, the you know, half a hexagon of the bay window is. Looks good on plans. And, and yeah, and it looks like really minimal demolition. But in reality, a builder is going to, you know, chop off that, that bay window. They're going to cut, like they're literally probably going to lose the entire wall between the two bay windows. Yep. Um, to then rebuild it, you're going to have to prop the roof in the meantime. Like all of these things are going to be happening that two little red dash lines on a floor plan don't necessarily... I suppose, represent with a lot of reality. So it's, yeah, and I I experience the same thing. It always catches homeowners by surprise when they're renovating and they don't feel like they're losing a lot of their existing house or they feel like it's a fairly straightforward job to see the price that's put against demolition compared to just flattening the house. and, and, uh, And they've made assumptions along the way that, you know, I've had other homeowners say to me, oh, look, we wanted to keep, we thought we could reuse those materials here. And it's like, well, that means the builder's going to have to be careful with how they remove them and yeah. they're going to have to pull nails out to be able to reuse them again. And whilst the person who doesn't like waste in me and doesn't hate seeing that stuff go to landfill, I think you're better off if you're planning any demolition on your house, put whatever it is on Gumtree and, yeah. and have a few weeks before the builder starts where you just get people cherry picking your house for whatever they want. Oh, look, even during construction, we do it all the time. Like we'll We'll just pull everything off, put in a neat pile and just get the owner to take photos of it and, and sell it. But look, again, like I keep saying, it, that collaboration and getting the builder involved at the same time as the designer and the engineer is, is gold. And and again, paying a builder to, to um, be involved through that stage. So for us, it was a really good video. Um, we did an interview with one of our clients um, on our Facebook page so it was a, a huge renovation on a early 1990s project-style home. And look, for the small fee that she paid us to be involved and quote the job properly, it saved, a, I assume, probably around $100,000. So wow. because she paid us that fee, we're involved, we're committed, we had a budget to work to. Um, we visited the site, I think, five times before we finalised our quote. 
and we cut holes in walls, we cut holes in the slab, we, we did a lot of investigating work and not only did it help us, but like we are talking about before, it, it changed the engineering. So look, it, it goes a long way working, like I can't emphasise enough on the teamwork, it's, it's got to be a team. Um, people that think they get a builder involved early is just going to bump their price up and try and make a heap out of them. It, it, they can't. Like if they do that, they're not going to get more work. Like if they work successfully with you as a team, you you work through the process, you um, work through it to get it to a budget. They're going to tell their friends because they're going to have such a good process. You're going to get more work out of it. So that that mindset or mindset about builders just bumping their price up if you, if they know they've got the job, that, I think that's garbage. But another thing, talking about the demolition work, we've had several over the years where the designer or the architect's um, shown an older house being lifted that it's got a fireplace in it. And if we hadn't have been involved through the whole or the late stage of the design and then and then quoting and doing the on-site investigation, there would have been some huge variations. So two jobs in particular, the engineer or the designer had put no reference to how we are going to lift these big old brick fireplaces. So one house had to go up nearly three and a half metres. So as soon as I visited the site and saw what had to happen and said to the designer, how come the engineer hasn't looked at this? Like it changed the whole scope of work. So we then had to have a whole other site meeting and get the engineer on site. He had to assess the old fireplace. All the It was ready to fall down, but it was in a partly heritage listed house. Um, so it changed the whole scope of the job. So having that team right from the beginning and sorting out those all those issues at the beginning can like it just takes all the headache out of it. it. Makes the job flow. There's no hidden cost during the job because they've all been sorted at the beginning. Everyone knows where they stand. And I, I think also we've been finding by having that process, it may change certain elements of the design. If something does come up through that stage, it is going to add 10, 20, 50, $100,000, it's a lot easier to make a design change then and there rather than the job started and work happening on site and then have to be delayed because you've got to make the design change. So, Yeah, it's all cheap whilst it's lines on a page really, isn't <laughs> That's it? That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, you know, I think that that advice about getting that collaborative process for understanding demolition is just so important because, like you say, I experience it too, homeowners totally shocked by how much something so sort of simple as like having a partial room pulled apart can actually cost them. What other work can this phase of construction or stage of construction involve in demolition? So I know that a new home versus a renovation will be different. So maybe if you take us through um, a renovation first, some of the other work that can be involved in uh, this demolition stage. Um, So again, it it really comes back to the the size, the type and um the particular job, but there definitely can be a lot more work before you get to a slab or a, or a subfloor stage. So, and again, it, it, a lot of the times this will come down to the site, whether it's, if it's a flat site or a steep site. So, and again, I think I think this is really important why people understand and why builders understand that they should be breaking their drawers up a little bit more to to cover some of these costs and and not end up with big lump sums. So, if it's a renovation. Um, the house might not be getting demolished, but it might have to get lifted or slid across the side or, or even turned around. Like, who knows these days what people want to do? But, um, <laughs> so, the, yeah, the, so there, there could be the sliding and the lifting of the house, a partial demolition, and then the lifting of the house. 
it's not uncommon, especially around town on these smaller sites. There might be a steep site, so you might have to lift the house partially, but then do a lot of earthworks. There might be a basement involved. There could be retaining walls. So there's a lot of work that can happen earlier on. It might not be a slab on ground. It might have a subfloor. So you might have to do a lot of some structural steel work, steel post beams um, or a brick base. It's definitely not uncommon these days to have a pool incorporated with the house. So even though it's a renovation, um, there might be a pool that once the house is lifted or slid, uh, there might be a pool that has to be built because the subfloor or the slab sits on the edge of it or butts into it. So, and, and again, this all comes back to why it's important for the builder to have a bit of a schedule. So that schedule will give you a good understanding of the flow of the job and that flow of the job should relate back to the draws that he's trying to obviously get you to pay. And I think that it's that it's that strategy of the sequencing too, isn't it, that becomes really critical because you literally need a builder to mechanically build this in their head to be able to then map out who needs to turn up when and be able to sort of get that all sorted so that it works seamlessly on site. So, And it is that thing I remember we did a job where we were raising and building in underneath an existing house and the, uh, we'd worked very hard on a perimeter edge detail that we wanted for the way that the cladding and the block work was going to work. And so that meant as designers we sort of figured out a way that the builder would be able to raise the house and build in the structure without um, and pour the slab first before getting everything up in the air. What this builder did instead was didn't read the drawings properly. <laughs> did it all backwards. And did it all backwards. And and so raised the house and then they put all of the raising styes, all the, the stacking styes in underneath where the slab was supposed to be going. So we had to change that detail. So, yeah. um, And so I think that that really getting the builder to sort of demonstrate to you that they've sequenced this thing through, again, that collaborative process of of them, you know, understanding why a designer's done something a certain way because, you know, oftentimes with those raise and restunts, which is so common in, you know, for timber cottages, I know, all through Queensland and also around seems to be the dumb thing in northern New South Wales that you buy a second-hand Queenslander and yep. ship it to a house <laughs> yeah. in Bangalore. Um, there's the house raiser is often telling the builder... You know, that's what where I see it can go a bit pear-shaped as the house yeah. raiser is saying, this is the way I need to do this because it's the fastest and most inexpensive way for me to do it. Whereas if the builder has been involved, they've understood the process, they've also know what needs to happen next, then they can sequence that work far better and understand that overall. Well, yeah, it definitely comes back to that teamwork. If, it, if it's a team from the beginning, the, the designer, architect, the homeowner, the builder, and, and generally with this type of work, the engineer, they, all these conversations can be being had at, at the early stages. So it's funny because everyone... The architect, designer, engineer, surveyor, certifier, like everyone doesn't hesitate to pay them fees to be involved at the beginning. Um, and yet it's only the last couple of years we're starting to see builders charge fees to be involved at this time and people hesitate. And yet it's the builder that can actually have the biggest influence on everything. So depending on the, the size of the project, to pay a builder a fee to be involved like I don't, I think people need to. It's very hard to to get people to understand. Like it can actually save them tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, depending on the project, by having a builder involved in that early stage. And then, like you say, if if they're involved in that early stage, there's been all these conversations about how we want to lift it, where we want to lift it, and the process. So he's already getting that in his head. He can he can work that into his schedule. If if you work on the old days, the plans get drawn. 
the builder gets sent a finished set of plans, nine times out of ten, I know from when we were doing the tendering, you get an email saying, oh, here's a set of plans, you've got two, two, three, four weeks to quote it. People forget that a builder's running a business, so he's not spending that two, three, four weeks on your project. He's building other people's houses, he's quoting other jobs, he's organising other jobs, he's, he's running a business. Yes. If How do you expect him to get his head around what actually needs to be done and price it correctly um, if he hasn't been involved through all those early decisions? So... One thing that's really benefited us is by being involved in those early decisions, we've been there and we've listened to the client. So, like, we might miss something, the architect designer might miss something, and by working as a team, like, you can work together and, and like, it's not uncommon at a meeting to say, oh, look, that was brought up at the last meeting, I think you've missed that. And like I said, like, we own it, we, we get the same thing happen to us, oh, look, you, you missed that. Because there's so much goes into that early stage of the job and for forever the builder's been left out of it. So um, Yeah, and I think too that there's only so much thing can be represented by lines on a page. Often I see the difference between people having a good experience with their designer and not having a good experience is that, you know, the design is one thing but understanding the constructability of it is really important. Can we touch quickly on asbestos removal? Because I know that that's something that scares a lot of people. Where as soon as they find out their home has asbestos in it, it can be just that they see dollar signs and like they're tearing up money, basically. How does asbestos removal get incorporated into your demolition, sort of in the order of things that need to happen, be it if you're flattening a house completely or you're selectively demolishing a house ready for renovation? Look, we do it a couple of different ways. If it's a complete knockdown and rebuild, it's generally taken care of by the demolition company. So all the ones here in Brisbane now are really good at it. They'll come in, they'll do an inspection on the house. So I know I keep going back to the teamwork, but because we're getting paid a fee, we're involved through that process, our subbies and suppliers know that there's a 9 out of 10 chance now we're going to get the job, not a 1 in 100 chance. So... We're getting our quotes back quicker. We're getting better pricing. So just something as simple as demolition. I know when we're tendering, you get the, the tender plans. It says on the plans, the old house to be demolished. Um, you send the plans out to get price. They just send you back a price and it, it'll it have no allowance for asbestos or no allowance for this, no allowance for that because you can't get it correct off a set of plans. Um, the process we have now, we've got a couple of uh, demolition um, companies that we use they go and view the house. So because we've built that team effort, we might, the owners might give us keys or we've got access, we can meet the demolition company on site, they can do a proper inspection, and when we get a quote for the demolition, it's fixed. That's what it's going to cost. And then the other side of that is if, it, if it's a partial demolition, again, because we're paid that fee, we're part of the team, we go out. Um, so I just take little plastic sandwich bags and uh, I'll, I'll go around the house and I'll take... If I think it's asbestos, I'll take samples of it. We take it to a testing lab. They test it within, generally within 48 hours, we've got a test back. And then from that, I can work out, like, um, we've got a couple of supplies that will give us a square meter rate. So I've been to the house. I've found what's asbestos. It's been tested. It's proven. I then quote accordingly. So it's accurate. When we, uh, when we give a quote back to our clients, that, that is what it is. There's no guessing. And the asbestos contractors, they then come in before any of the demolition starts and they make sure that that's removed according yep. to the statutory regulations for asbestos removal? Yeah. So I, I believe everyone's always learning. Like, I, I definitely don't know everything. You learn things every single day. And just things like getting, going to the site, 
putting the mask and that on, getting the plastic bags, taking those samples and get them, getting them tested, that affects the pricing as well because there's actually a lot of different types of asbestos. Some asbestos you can just put a mask on and pull it down. The bad asbestos you have to make Before the area airtight yeah. and um, it's all got to be certified. So just something as simple as having a builder involved that will go to the site, take some samples. When you get the price, that's the price. You're not starting the job. Um, the builder comes back to you and says, oh, look, we found this asbestos. Or he might have assumed that it was just normal asbestos. He gets a company in to uh, start the demolition. And then within the first couple of hours, they're saying, oh, hang on, we can't do this job. It's got to be fully certified. The council's got to sign off on it. So again, getting all that stuff out of the way at the beginning um, can save you a lot of money. Definitely. Okay, so we've talked about renovating uh, and that selective demolition process, uh, asbestos removal, whether it's a new house or an existing house that needs to have that asbestos removal done before any work can commence. What about it's a brand new house going onto a site that's got an existing house and so the existing house needs to be demolished, obviously, to make way for the new house. What other work can kind of occur in that demolition phase in that, in that process? Generally, the, if it's a knockdown rebuild, the house, flat block land, simple, the house goes, the builder um, sets up his temporary uh, fencing and everything and away you go. But again, a lot of times now with blocks being split, there can be a lot more work. So you might have to knock down the house. If it's a steep block, um, there might be retaining walls or boundary retaining walls to do. It, again, it might have a site cut for a basement. So yeah, once the house is gone, you can, you can then get onto all your bulk earthworks, do your retaining walls. Generally, it'll go, you'll pay your deposit, your builder will do all the preliminary work, then part of, then if it is a knockdown rebuild, there'll be a demolition draw. So the house will get demolished. Um, if there's bulk earthworks or retaining walls to do, the surveyor will come in and pin all the boundaries. From there, there there'll be earthworks. You might um, have footing excavation, there'll be concreters. Depending on the type of retaining wall, there might be block layers or landscapers. A lot of the time on our, on our projects, if that, we're doing that sort of work, we would do the new boundary fences at the same time. Why um, do you do them then? Uh, well, it just it, then we can get rid of all the temporary fencing. So always the front boundary would be left to last, depending on the project. But if there's the demolition gets done and then part of our contract is doing new fencing, the sooner we get that done, the sooner we get rid of the temporary fencing. So it's it's saving saving money. So and then. Once you've got it back to a clean site, if it is, if it does need to retain, your retaining walls are all done. You get, you're getting ready to do your house. The surveyor comes back in, you profile your job out. The surveyor marks all the the outline of the house, and then generally you, that's when you're starting to move on to the next stage of footings and slab. So I think that you know one of the things that I really notice in builders who kind of know their stuff is that strategy of sequencing, particularly when it does come to earthworks, because obviously. You know, one of the <clears throat> one of the more expensive things to do in a build is take dirt off site. <laughs> yep. Seems to triple when you pull it out of the ground. It always surprises people how much <laughs> how much dirt expands when it gets pulled out of the ground. Yeah, you try and tell people they don't believe you. No, and so that process of just I remember when we did when the last big reno that we did where we raised and built in underneath and the builder um, who was managing the raise and restump took too much dirt off site and then he had to pay to bring dirt back on because he'd not you know and 
that was all at his cost. But, you know, I think that that strategy and understanding and things like if you are putting a pool in, when does the pool go in? Can the dirt that's coming out of the pool be used in other locations? How, How do you recommend people think about because, of course, then Earthworks gets put into the contract and there's generally a lot of, um, you know, if they if you hit rock, that's going to be a variation. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of contractual stuff that gets put around Earthworks that has a bit of buffer in it, obviously, to manage the builder's risk. You don't know what you can see in underneath the ground unless you've been doing specific tests. How do you recommend people sort of think about that whole Earthworks process and the strategy of it as part of this sort of phase of work? So that, that's one of the reasons in, in the app we've built QuoteSpec, we've broken it down into every single category and then put items underneath that. So one of the categories in, in QuoteSpec is is Earthworks. So a lot of the times Earthworks isn't mentioned in a quote, and like you say, it can be a huge percentage of the cost, but it's never mentioned. It's just worked into other other areas of the job. So what we did in QuoteSpec is we've got Earthworks as the main heading, and then we broke it down into what? the most uh, common item. So generally all jobs will have a site cut, um, whether it's just scraping the grass off the top or, or a full bulk earthworks. You'll obviously need your machine for any footings that need to be dug. Um, there's a slab prep. So whether it is a waffle pot or a conventional slab, you need machines to do a slab prep. So we, we've broken it down into to all items so that people get a better understanding of, of what's actually been included in the earthworks. A lot of people don't realise that the earthwork is needed for the stormwater, the sewer. So that all has to be done, obviously, as an underslab. And then you... Would... In terms of digging trenches for all of that infrastructure, is yeah, that what you mean? Yeah, all services. Yeah. Um, and then, you like, most builders will allow a machine, depending on the size of the site, to do a final site clean at the end of the job, give it a tidy out, spread some topsoil around. Driveway prep, you've got to cut your driveway out. And then... What we've also done in quote spec, a lot of the things that would generally get left out is truck hire and dump fees. So we've got a few some standard items that are in there. So on all of our quotes, we will put in there if it's included or not. And if it is included, we'll put it if how many hours we've allowed or how many loads we've allowed because Earthworks is one thing that adds up really quickly. If you if your builder hasn't allowed for soil removal and you've got a large site cut or, or you've got excess soil from the pool or from the footings, it adds up very quickly. You're, you're talking 90 to to $100 an hour for a truck, and then depending on where you're building, you can pay up to sort of five $600 per load to dump. So And, yeah, you're generally paying for the trip there and the trip back. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's... It can it's, get very expensive very quickly. Yeah, well, like I know in a, in a city around Brisbane here, like when we're quoting a job, you, you can really only work on four loads a day per truck because they lose so much time in traffic. So like obviously Sydney and Melbourne, that's going to be even worse. So, and obviously depending on the time of the day and all that sort of thing. So, so that four loads of dirt can quite easily cost you two, three, four thousand $4,000. So I definitely like to point that out to people that, yeah, make sure, obviously the builder should allow the general earthworks, but either soil, bringing soil to the site or taking soil away from the site make sure it's included. Yeah, I think that's great advice because it is something that really catches people by surprise and they get caught out if a builder hasn't planned that at some point they might need the dirt brought back and you feel like you're paying for it twice because you're paying to have it taken away and then you're paying for dirt to come back. And there used to be, I recall that, you know, I know that when we've done work, you know, years and years ago, you could often 
advertise that you had the dirt and if somebody needed the dirt, you could split the cost of the truck. But now a lot of councils actually won't allow that. They want the dirt that's coming back in to be remediated of some sort. So you can't always rely that that you can just, you know, if your neighbour needs it, that you're going to be able to take there. You can run foul of some local council rules if you um, try and run that that process so yeah no well definitely here in Brisbane with the fire ants or in southeast Queensland there's um so that that does become an issue and again that's something that needs to be investigated in the early stages just it's not hard there's a map like you get online you check the map if your job's in that area you get an inspector out and he either passes it or fails it all tells you what you need to do so so yeah it's uh it's definitely worthwhile Well, I think, Dwayne, we've given a really good picture of that demolition stage and whether you're building or renovating, it can be quite an involved process that could be broken down into a few different drawers, but it's basically getting your site and your house ready uh, for the next stage of your construction. Now, before I go, let me talk to you about QuoteSpec. So QuoteSpec is our podcast partner this season and QuoteSpec is a cloud-based quoting app that enables builders and tradespeople to create professional, easy-to-understand quotes and it allows homeowners to see exactly what has been included and not included and have confidence that they can manage their budget and their build without drama. Look, the beginnings of a project actually involve a lot of steps. It can really surprise homeowners just what is involved in getting a project going and the time between saying, you know, yes, builder, let's do this and things actually starting on their project on and on site and all of the activities are happening before construction even starts. You know, site has to be made a safe place to be. We've been speaking about this through this stage. You want to keep the public out. You want to keep all of the building activity inside it. There can be a raft of permits to apply for, machinery to book in and hire, and all of those various steps to coordinate along the way. And this work will often get bundled up inside a quote under a heading like preliminaries or site establishment. And as we've spoken about in this episode, there's also the work that's required to actually get a house ready for new building work and a renovation, or perhaps to get rid of the existing house on site. Some quotes, they just show them as a single line. You can't really know what is in there and what's included in terms of getting your site ready for the next stage of construction. You can see these on a quote and just have no idea of the steps that are involved in them and there's you know big chunks of money that get put against them and especially it can feel like your project hasn't even really started yet you know so it can be very confusing. So I mentioned in the last episode that QuoteSpec comes with a list of preemptive categories that are already built into the app and this list is incredibly comprehensive it applies across the board to so many different types of projects and it can be manipulated and changed by the builder or tradesperson based on their preferences. You know, what I particularly love is just how detailed this list is because each item can be selected to be included in the quote. It can be left off the quote deliberately. It can even be marked as an exclusion. So it's described as an exclusion that the quote doesn't include it. And this makes it really easy for you as the homeowner to see what is not covered in your quote, you know, before you sign a contract. The builder's also able to make special notes against each item. You know, they might be writing, well, that's going to be done by that person or we need to check this when we do this. And that's super handy for them to be able to keep things organised along the way as a hub for all of that information. So homeowners, I really encourage you to ask your builder or tradesperson, do you use QuoteSpec? And if they don't, send them here to find out more about it. So the website address is www.quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect and quote spec is spelled q-u-o-t-e-s-p-e-c so quote 
spec or one word.com.au forward slash undercover architect. I love QuoteSpec as a tool and a platform, and I know that you will too. Now, in the next episode, Dwayne and I will be discussing the slab or base stage. Now, this is where the platform or floor of your home gets built. However, many homeowners, they don't realise all of the choices that need to be organised ahead of time and, and the things that need to be incorporated into this stage so that you can get your home working the way that you want. Emissions at this point, things that you leave out at this point, they can be really expensive to fix later. Concrete's pretty permanent. So, you know, you can find that they're actually not fixable at all. So listen to the next episode so that you can know what these things will be for your project. And please mention this season to any friends, family or colleagues who might have their project under construction, maybe building soon, thinking about building or renovating. You know, this is information that can help so many homeowners have a much better experience with their renovation or new home construction. Now, remember all of the links for this episode, the information I've mentioned, it's all in the show notes. So make sure you head there for more uh, info as well. I'm really looking forward to next time. Bye. Bye.